if they meet the real Jesus of the New Testament and they, they see some of him in us, it's very, very attractive. In fact, I think it's, it's irresistible in many ways. How do you unlock the full potential of your influence and create the lasting change that you are destined for? I am your co-host, Dave Donaldson. Thanks, Dave, and I am your co-host, Scott Young. Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. Join us each week for exciting stories and strategies from leaders, experts, and professionals from around the globe. As we are empowered to make an impact that resounds from your neighborhood to the nations. What a joy to welcome you to the Influencers Podcast. We are here to see the influence of your life increase so that you'll make a difference in your world and in the world. One of the great challenges of leadership is to take diverse people and focus them to one task to make a difference. And today we have a real live president of an incredible university who does just that. President Brian Mueller is the president of Grand Canyon University. He joined in July of 2008 and transitioned that university in an amazing way. He took his background skills in high school and college level and his 22 years of experience with the Apollo Group and transformed GCU from a struggling financial university into one that is a driving force for higher education today. As a leader, President Mueller is progressive. He anticipates and brings challenge, an industry that's been rather slow to see change come. When he joined GCU, he brought unprecedented growth. Enrollment at the Phoenix campus has increased to over 23,000 ground students. That's students that are right there. And then online, over 90,000 students. That's huge growth. He's overseen 1.6 billion, that's B, billion, in expansion of the campus through new technologies, classrooms, laboratories, student amenities, athletic facilities. Academically, the university now has nine colleges and offers nearly 300 academic programs, including 240 online programs. These efforts have created a better educational environment that's been accomplished at no additional cost to the students or taxpayers. And I like anything that doesn't give more to the taxpayers. He's created a hybrid educational model that relies on operational efficiencies and fiscal responsibility. This has helped President Mueller reach his highest priority as president, that is to deliver a high quality private Christian education that is affordable at all socioeconomic levels. In fact, the students have received in 2020 $157 million in scholarships. President Mueller, we're glad that you have taken some time to be with us today. You are a huge influencer, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Now I know what you were talking about with that bio. We could have cut that in about uh, uh, to about a tenth. But anyway, thank you for reading that. And well, when you have such huge accomplishments, we have to talk about them. Now, Dave, you've been there. You've been right on the campus. You've experienced GCU. Let me turn it over to you to lead some of the conversation. Well, actually, that is the reduced version of the bio. <laughs> uh, President Mueller, I, I call you Brian. You and I are close friends and, and comrades in ministry uh, to Phoenix. And uh, you're one of the most dynamic uh, and progressive leaders I've ever met. Hmm. And uh, 
I've often said, and I said this to Jerry Colangelo, Mr. Arizona, that uh, Brian Mueller has more vision for city serve than me. And uh, I think that that's true, but it has been just an incredible uh, partnership thus far uh, between CityServe and GCU. I've learned a lot from you. And Scott provided some of your accomplishments, but I want to drill down on your strategy for universities around the globe. And I believe you call it a five-point plan that you are incubating there in West Phoenix. Uh, share with us about that. Well, let me correct. Uh, nobody has more vision for CityServe than you do. I appreciate the, the compliment, but uh, you you came up with an unbelievable idea that's going to accomplish so, so much good for so many people. So uh, thank you for doing that, and thank you for including us. You know, uh, when we came here 14 years ago, 33rd Avenue and Camelback in Phoenix, Arizona, which is called Maryvale, was a really troubled place. Uh, it wasn't a place where you would want to invest $1.6 billion into real estate de development, educational infrastructure. Uh, it's a community that's deteriorated over the decades. It was a middle-class community at one point, but businesses moved out and people moved out and immigrants moved in. Uh, there are over 45 different languages spoken within five square miles of, of, our, of our facility at Grand Canyon University. Um, but it, it provided for us um, a platform to live out our faith. Uh, when we came in 2008 and 2011, when we thought we had a model that was going to work, the question is, do you invest this money in Maryvale? Uh, and we really believe at this point in time that God put us here at this time and at this place for this reason, um, that there needs to be a revival in this country, and we don't think there's going to be a revival based upon a, a great dynamic speaker like Billy Graham or Billy Sunday or D.L. Moody, but it's going to happen because Christian communities come alive in areas where people are really hurting and take over the responsibility from the government to reach out and transform communities. Um, and, and that's what we decided we were going to do here. So our five-point plan is, 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 number one, a place like this needs economic development. It needs jobs. And we decided we were going to build the university out here, and we've created 14,000 jobs here since we started that. We hire people in the neighborhood into entry-level jobs. They get a salary, they get benefits, but then they get to send their kids to college for free here, which can transform a family's trajectory. Uh, we also have started 10 new businesses, uh, spun 10 businesses off of this one, which, is, which has created 500 additional jobs. When you put an economic catalyst like this in the middle of a neighborhood, things there's a ripple effect and things really start to happen. Second thing is safety. Uh, our campus is very safe. We have our own police force, but we wanted the neighborhood safe. And we have a multi-million dollar project in, in place with the city of Phoenix police, and we're making huge progress. Kids need to feel like they can walk to school and back and not uh, uh, encounter gangs and in, 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 in difficulty. And so that thing has been, that project has been going on for eight years in our neighborhood. It's not perfect but it's improving rapidly, and, and the people that live here really, really appreciate it. Uh, the third thing is homes. We have the largest Habitat for Humanity program in the world going on here. We've rebuilt 400 homes. Our goal is to rebuild 800 homes, and then we, we'll see where we go from there. But we, do the, we, we raise the money, over $3 million a year. Uh, Habitat does the organization. We provide the labor. Uh, and we are rebuilding homes and home values are up in our neighborhood more than any zip code in the in the area. The fourth thing is schools. 
We wanted to really help the kids in our neighborhood between 3 o'clock and 8 o'clock every day because a lot of them have parents that work two full-time jobs at minimum wage. They haven't graduated from high school. They can't help with algebra. We now have a tutoring program where we have 1,200 students that provide tutoring to kids in our neighborhood every day after school. Uh, that led to a scholarship program, and we've now awarded 545 full-ride scholarships to kids that come out of our inner-city high schools uh, that are within many of them, some of them walking distance of the university. Uh, our goal is to have 800 students in that scholarship program uh, coming out of these local high schools. 100% of them live below the poverty line. 95% of them are students of color, but they were high-achieving students in high school, and now they're going to college, and we've graduated over 100 of those students. It's brought tremendous hope to the families and the students and the schools in our neighborhood. And then the fifth is families. And uh, we're serving families through, through CityServe. Uh, phase one is what you all know to be true about CityServe. We've gotten a million dollars worth of goods out to people who need it. Phase two is gonna be each one of our colleges contributing to long-term solutions for this network of families that we've built up. And so we're hoping we can serve as an inspiration uh, to other universities who are located in inner city neighborhoods because if rather than build a wall around the university, you really start to reach out into the community uh, eventually people start to say, what's different about these people? Who is this Jesus that they claim to follow? Maybe I need to know more about him. Uh, it's the, the revival is about Christian communities coming alive, taking over their responsibilities to reach out to uh, disadvantaged populations and spread the gospel as a result. Wow. You, you are being <laughs> what we love, and that is salt and light in the world you live in. We're always encouraging the people that are part of our podcast family to, to look out and to make a difference. And, and you're not just living inside your classrooms or in your, your halls of education, you're engaged in the community. And I, I'm sure you have a lot of different deans of education, a lot of different fields, varied people that you need to now focus on these five initiatives. How, how do you do that? Well, um, we've got a 140,000 square foot building that used to be a swap mart. And we've turned that into what we call Canyon Ventures, and eventually we're going to be calling it the Center for Human Flourishing. Uh, as we reach out, and as we have been reaching out uh, through our activities and now through CityServe, uh, we're going to be building up a network of families. And uh, the, the core of what we're going to do over there is provide academic support for students. We're going to triple the amount of space. We're going to give every student that wants a bus pass, and we're going to try to quadruple the number of students who are coming over to our learning lounge and, and getting academic help from our students who are excited about pouring into the lives uh, of, of many of these immigrant children. If you do what you need to do in that learning lounge, your family is, is going to get a, a membership card, and that membership card is going to enable you to participate in all kinds of ways uh, in this Center for Human Flourishing. We're going to have a, a health clinic there uh, where our nursing students are going to be able to do basic health care for families, flu shots, COVID shots, testing, pregnancy tests, etc. Uh, our our uh, counseling area is going to provide uh, counseling, uh, first for high school students who need it and then for their family members. We have a huge small business development center where we've got 32 new businesses incubating right now. A lot of immigrant families have small businesses. We'll provide them help, infuse capital, give marketing support, give accounting support. Our engineering people have some really interesting ideas. 
Uh, our fine arts people are going to create a center uh, for human flourishing through the fine arts. Uh, we're going to invite kids in who want to take part in academic counseling, but want, may want to learn to play the piano or, or play the guitar or get involved in theater or film. Uh, so every one of our nine colleges is going to have a center over there where students are going to be able to and their families uh, participate in activities that lead to long-term flourishing for those families. Well, wow. you, you also have something called the Innovation Center, and it has created some great enterprises so far. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the, and, and the, the Center for Innovation is in this Center for Human Flourishing, and that's where we have the 32 new businesses incubating currently, and we're, we're adding to them. But yeah, a lot of our students, uh, our, our faculty are tremendous here. They have their own projects, but they most often get behind the projects of students. And so there are some unbelievable success stories. We had a couple students who were noticing as the campus grew from 95 acres to 300 acres that students were having a hard time getting to class on time. Uh, and so we're a walking uh, campus, we're a biking campus, we're a skateboard campus, but um, they uh, figured out how to attach a motor to a skateboard and they created a company called Electric Longboard. Uh, electric Longboards are selling like crazy all over the Northern Hemisphere. They're going to do over $3 million in revenue this year. And out of that came a second company that builds um, uh, electric bikes. And that company is actually going to do $9 million in revenue this year. And so those were students who came up with interesting ideas while they were students. We've given free space to them in our Canyon Ventures place, and they've turned uh, what they're doing into uh, into really successful businesses. We have software companies in there that are de developing applications. We have nonprofit organizations that are developing clothing lines, inexpensive clothing lines. And so uh, a lot of these businesses are either run by our students or by people who are in our neighborhood. We give them free space, we give them free Wi-Fi, we give them free utilities. We just ask that they hire our students as interns and if they're gonna really grow, hire our graduates as, as uh, um, as employees. And so uh, it's another part of phase one, which is build, you know, build the economy of these inner city neighborhoods by bringing companies and by bringing jobs, because that starts the whole process. I got to tell you, nothing is more exciting than this. Uh, all I ask is a, a desk and a bed. I think I'm going to, I want to live inside that uh, flourishing uh, center. Uh, and also the hotel, Brian, an incredible hotel. My wife and I have stayed there in restaurant, and we love uh, the cafe there, and all fully managed by the students, correct? Yeah, you know, the, 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 that was a, one of the most uh, challenged places in, in the city of Phoenix, that, that corner. Uh, the hotel was, uh, was not a great place in, in many ways, and so we bought the hotel, we refurbished it, we built the, the uh the uh, restaurant and uh, it's it seats 300 now inside and outside. Our hospitality management students run that. There's a golf course three miles from here that was losing $250,000 a year. We got the city to turn it over to us. We shut it down, put $10 million into it. It's a it's a really a world class city golf course now. We're gonna do 55,000 rounds this year. But I tell the guys that work out there, the course is in unbelievable shape. You guys do a great job. You work at a golf course, but you work for a university. What does that mean? That means you can, your kids can go to college for free here. Uh, and so 
whether it's the golf course, the hotel, the restaurant, the marketing company we've started, the, the, uh, um, uh, the coffee company that we started, um, the people that work there that live in the neighborhood have all kinds of benefits as a result of, of uh, working for the university, which is just adding to the hope people have. Uh, and the, and uh, the reason they want us to, to live in this neighborhood and cause their, their families to, uh, to prosper. You know, uh, so many universities closed down or they kind of moved into a sequestering during the pandemic. And under your leadership, GCU reached out to families in need and even provided uh, for the, the state uh, vaccinations uh, at no cost. And can you share with us about your heart during the pandemic? Uh, obviously, we worked together on the farmers to family food boxes. Uh, farmers were plowing their produce back in the ground. Uh, dairy products were getting poured down the drain. Uh, meat was rotting. Uh, and USDA and the White House under Ivanka Trump put, it, put that into food boxes to help needy families. And uh, GCU is one of the leading uh, institutions in the country helping families with these boxes. Can you share with us about what you did as a leader to respond to these victims of the pandemic? You know, and again, Dave, that was your idea. And uh, God bless you for thinking of it. And Ivanka Trump, uh, it was brilliant. There are just, you know, you have taught us, in addition to what we've done, just how much opportunity there is out there with with the level of prosperity that we have in this country. There shouldn't be any any people that are hungry. There shouldn't be any people living in poverty. But uh, you talked to us about farmers to families, and, and the concept was so brilliant and so simple that I said, of course. And, and uh, so uh, I don't remember exactly how many, but we uh, garnered a, a workforce, a volunteer workforce, and I think 16,000 30-pound boxes of food we were able to get out in just a couple weeks to families in our neighborhood. I tell our students, you know, I walk through our campus and we've got the seventh ranked campus in the country. We have 32 restaurants. There's so much food on our campus. And yet right outside our barriers, they're hungry three and four year olds. That's not right. Jesus would not have tolerated that. And, um, and so that was just a way for us to get the whole city serve thing going. The vaccination center is another great example. Uh, the city, the a county called us and said, you know, we're having trouble. We're running out of money. These vaccination centers are very expensive. I said, listen, if you'll put one in, in, on our campus in Maryvale, we'll do it for free. And the reason we'll do it for free is because vaccination centers all over the city require you to drive up in a car. A lot of people in our neighborhood don't have cars and they live in multi-generational households. They need to be vaccinated. And so we set the center up and, and they didn't believe we could do it for free, but we did. I think we were open for 12, 14 weeks. We did 100 and I think 16,000 vaccinations. We had, uh, don't remember the total number of volunteer hours, but we had students on our campus that literally volunteered for 24 hour shifts. Our nursing students would show up at this vaccination center with their scrubs on and I would tease them and say, what are you guys here to do today? Are you gonna direct traffic? They said, no, sir, we're giving shots. And I said, you're not a nurse yet. You can't give shots. And they would say, we are level three and we can give shots. Um, but they would volunteer for shift after shift. And we literally did the work that other organizations got paid up to $100 million to do 
taxpayers' dollars, and the GCU community was able to do it for absolutely nothing. It didn't cost the taxpayers a dollar. And it's those kind of things that I refer to when I say, you know, that we need a revival in this country, but it's going to come about because people recognize the different motivations that Christian communities have and the tremendous amount of energy that they can put into meeting the needs of disadvantaged and hurting people. And, um, and it's become part of the university's culture. It's become part of our, who our students are. Uh, through CityServe on Saturday, there's another nonprofit organization called Sleep in Heavenly Peace that builds bunk beds. They came in Saturday, set up, 150 of our, volunteer, of our uh, Honors College kids volunteered, and in a period of under four hours, built 70 bunk beds. And those bunk beds are now into the homes of children, and uh, they're sleeping in their own bed tonight. Uh, but people are looking around and saying, you know, if Christian communities would get energized in this way, we could really have a revival because people would meet the real Jesus, uh, not they want the one they heard maybe through televangelism or, or through other failed and flawed uh, things that are associated with, but if, if they meet the real Jesus of the New Testament and they, they see some of him in us, it's very, very attractive. In fact, I think it's, it's irresistible in many ways. Well, folks, this is why the 30-minute meetings that Brian and I have turn into two-hour meetings. <laughs> uh, I, I love this man, and I'll tell you, if you want uh, your child, uh, your niece, or nephew uh, to really catch the DNA of, of really a godly leader, a visionary that truly believes that we can change this world one person at a time, Grand Canyon University. Send them there. There's a lot of great places to go. I appreciate that endorsement. Um, we're going to grow from, uh, well, we're nine colleges, 300 academic programs now, and we'll grow from 24,000 students to 40,000 students in the next four or five years because the appetite for families that want their young people to come to a place and learn about the world in the context of the real truth about the world which is the biblical narrative of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, it's, it's unlimited as long as we can make it affordable for them. And so uh, we, we've been extremely blessed. We've tried to extend that blessing to uh, the people that live in our neighborhood, and it just seems like the more we're able to extend that blessing, the more we get blessed. Um, we know where it comes from. We thought we had a good plan when we came here, but for it to turn out like this is uh, is. Uh, really strong evidence that God has his hand on it, and he's simply using us to get his work done. Brian, you are expanding on all levels, and the way you, that just listening to you, you are an, an empowerer. You empower other people to accomplish things. The students that are coming are not just in classrooms and in their dorms. You're empowering them to make a difference in their community. And I'm sure you just said it, that you know that comes back. That makes a difference in their life. How does it affect them personally, professionally, as they aim towards the future of their lives? Well, you know, um, for a lot of years, we've told young people uh, that if they really want to serve God, uh, they need to give up their individual passions and become a teacher or a pastor or a teacher. And we need pastors and we need teachers um, really badly. But 
we've given up a lot of influence in the culture um, because we haven't told by kids that love biology or chemistry or or medicine or uh, uh, computer science or or entrepreneurship or engineering that those are sacred vocations there is no difference with god it's all his it's all sacred and so when we have engineers going into the field believing that they are fulfilling uh, a ministerial call a sacred vocation and they take their, their 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 capabilities into the darkest places in the world uh they're shining a light uh, through their passion, their skill, their capabilities, whether it's any of the areas that I just talked about. And so one of the things that we're trying to do is get them started down that road early in their career here. Uh, we try to get them started in internships where they can take who they are into a company as an intern. So many of our students get employed before they even graduate. Uh, we have uh, 20 advisory boards without over 500 companies on those advisory boards because they want access to our graduates. They see a difference, mm. not just in their academic capability, but who they are as people. And uh, it's it's that we, we're trying to model for them that as an organization, we're not going to just teach uh, involvement in a community, but we're going to practice it. And we're hoping that through that, uh, they learn that and, and feel compelled to to replicate that as they go out into the world. You know, I think of the scripture in Isaiah uh, when uh, he prophesied that the people from the West came because they feared the name of the Lord. The people came from the East because they feared the glory of the Lord. And there was a rushing stream uh, of the Lord that overwhelmed them. And the wind of the Lord was behind them, pushing them forward. That's what's happening at Grand Canyon University. Students are coming from the east and the west, north and south. And God is overwhelming them uh, with uh, love, compassion, with training. And he's raising them up uh, through Grand Canyon and your affiliate, all your affiliates around the world. Uh, to truly bring revival and transformation uh, to the nations. Uh, Brian, uh, thank you so much for joining us on The Influencers, and may God continue to just pour out His blessing and Spirit upon Grand Canyon University. Hey, if I could encourage one thing, just I'm challenged by President Mueller. Empower somebody to do something great in their world this week. Thank you both. It's been a pleasure to be part of this. And Dave, again, thank you for your partnership through CityServe. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.